Welcome back to another episode of the Sports Gamble Ramble. This is your host, Joe Blair. This is SGR number 70, and today we are diving into the NFC East. We're starting with last year's division winner, the Dallas Cowboys. I'll be up front. I'm an Eagles fan. I've been called slightly biased in the past, but I mean, to be honest, I try and stay pretty level-headed. I actually bet on the Washington football team to win this division last year because I was uh, kind of in on the thought of Ryan Fitzpatrick being a good fit for that team and leaning on the defense that was dominant in 2019. Uh, or 2020 rather. Anyways, that all kind of fell apart. So what I'm saying is I don't just bet on the Eagles blindly every year. I actually do my best to not bet on the Eagles. So I'll try and be objective here. Then again, I fucking hate the Dallas Cowboys. And spoiler alert, I don't think this team is able to repeat the success they had last year. Let's just dive into it. The Cowboys went 12-5 and last year. They won the NFC East and they were the third seed in the NFC. Does it really feel like that, though? Like, to be honest, until I went and did my research for this, I forgot that Dallas won 12 games. And, you know, they lost to the 49ers in the wild card round. They only scored 17 points in that playoff game at home. And really, it wasn't even that close. The 49ers really just kind of dog-walked them. And I think Dallas kind of... um, had a, a garbage time touchdown to kind of make that seem closer than it really was, if I remember that correctly. Um, this team also had the best coverage rate in the NFL in terms of covering the spread last year. They went 13-4 and four against the spread in the regular season, covering 76.5% of the time, which again is really weird because the Cowboys have that obnoxious national fan base that will just blindly bet on the Cowboys every single Sunday. And so you know, typically I like to fade that public action and I think the sports books are typically pretty aware of it and you usually kind of have to pay almost like a luxury tax if you want to bet Dallas on the spread. You can you can typically get a couple points of value if you want to fade them and go in opposite. And uh, that clearly didn't work last year. 13-4 and four is a hell of a cover rate. So, you know, I guess they were doing something right. Um, again, 12 wins. I don't think many people had them winning 12 games, so that's obviously going to lead to some extra covers. That said, you know, again, my expectations aren't that high for this team. I feel like the hype for this Cowboys team compared to other years is like really not that great. And again, spoiler alert, I think there's a live dog in this division. I think there's a team that likes to bark pretty hard in Philadelphia that made some big moves this offseason. Um, again, just try and, try and not call me a biased piece of shit during this series. But seriously, I think Philly's the best team in this division. We'll talk about some of the personnel changes that happened with Dallas this offseason that kind of set me down that path of thinking. But, you know, let's get into it again. 12-5 and last year, lost in the wildcard round to San Francisco. In the regular season, they had the number one ranked offense in points per game and yards per game. A lot of weapons on this team, spreading the ball around a lot. You know, two running backs, really four receivers that contributed at some point last year. And, uh, um, again, 31.2 points per game, 407 yards per game, both first in those categories amongst the league. The defense was also very good last year in terms of points per game, which is – You know, I think one of the main reasons for this team winning 12 games, their offense has been pretty strong as of recent history. Um, Really, since Dak and Zeke showed up, they've had a pretty good offense, and the offensive line has been elite for most of that time as well. Um, You know, uh, I don't really see the defense having that consistent level of success this upcoming season, and we get to some of the reasons why. 
you know, later in this episode. But defense seventh in points per game at 21.1, yet 19th in yards per game at 351. So actually below average in terms of letting up yards. The thing, you know, that got them up to that seventh in points per game rating was their turnover margin. They were tied for first in the NFL at a plus 14 turnover margin. And, you know, we have to obviously address that Trayvon Diggs uh, alone generated, I think, 10 interceptions last year, uh, which is obviously incredible. And, like, I don't want to call the guy a dog shit corner because he got 10 picks, but he's kind of a dog shit corner. He gets burnt a lot. He gives up a lot of yards. You know, pro football focus can go and grade him at whatever the fuck they want because he gets his interceptions and apparently that tips their rating scales. But this guy is not like a lockdown coverage corner. Anybody who wants to get into the conversation of why Trayvon Diggs is not a top five, let alone probably top 10 corner in the NFL, find me at SGR pod on Instagram and Twitter we can fucking go because it blows my mind that people want to compare Trayvon Diggs to guys like Jalen Ramsey and Jair Alexander and Marshawn Lattimore and Marlon Humphrey and all these guys that can actually cover. Um, There's more to playing defensive back in the NFL than like guessing and undercutting a route or like just out jumping a receiver on some bullshit Hal Mary jump ball that shouldn't have been thrown at you in the first place. There was a lot of that last year. Um, That said, the kid's Uh, The guy's kid is incredible, Um, adorable kid from the clips on Hard Knocks. That kid's going to be a a star all over social media. Um, Let's let's get back to the Cowboys breakdown. You know, I talked about their metrics from last year. I think they overachieved defensively and through the turnover margin. I just got into that. Um, Returning this year is the entire coaching staff. Uh, Big Mike McCarthy is the head coach in his second year there. Um, the offensive coordinator is Kellen Moore. He's been there the past few seasons as well, obviously doing a pretty good job with the offense. And defensive coordinator Dan Quinn, I, if I'm remembering right, that was his first year as Dallas um, defensive coordinator. And yeah, because he got the axe from uh, the, the Falcons two years ago. And he did clearly a pretty good job. I think he's one of the better defensive coordinators in the league. Um, not sure he's a head coach. At least his time in Atlanta, you know, kind of underwhelming. I know he made it to the Super Bowl, but that team was... I mean, Kyle Shanahan got that team to the Super Bowl, right? Not really Dan Quinn. Anyways, um, Dan Quinn's a competent defensive coordinator, but if they don't get, you know, 10 picks from Trayvon again and they don't get fucking 13 sacks from Micah Parsons again, I think that defense looks a lot different. Um, we can talk about Micah for a quick second if you guys want. Defensive Rookie of the Year, I know he had a really good season. A lot of the notoriety that he was receiving was based on the, the uh, quarterback pressures and the sack rates. And I think like Dallas has to get back to using him more as a linebacker and less as a pass rusher um, in, in, over the long term of his career, I think. I actually fucking, not to toot, toot my own horn again here, but I broke it down pretty fucking perfectly last year as far as the guy played defensive end at Penn State uh, coming out of high school. Like, he was recruited as a defensive end and then switched over to linebacker when he was there because, like, they needed him to play that more. And Dallas drafted him to be a linebacker, too. You know, they didn't draft him to rush the passer. Um, it's just injuries on that D-line. You know, Demarcus Lawrence goes down, and all of a sudden you have zero pass rush, and they kind of had to piece it together. I just don't see them putting him down in the dirt as much. I think, you know, he's going to have to play true linebacker. They re-signed Leighton Vander Esch on a one-year deal, but chances are he doesn't get extended next year. And Michael Parsons is the plan as the Mike linebacker in this defense. And I think, obviously, if he's doing that, he's not going to be able to contribute the sack numbers that they got last year. 
So I think the defense regresses a little bit in terms of turnover margin, maybe QB pressure, and that points per game. I mean, if they stay at that 19th, 20th ranked yards per game, I think that points per game can get back into the mediocre range as well. Suck it, Dallas. Um, let's talk about the personnel here. They did lose some pretty key pieces here this offseason. Uh, several starters, actually. Um, offensive tackle Lyell Collins went and signed a pretty decent deal to be the uh, um, offensive tackle for Joe Burrow over there in Cincinnati. Um, off, also on the offensive line center, Connor Williams is gone. So that's two starters on the O-line that they're losing. I mentioned the O-line has been very good throughout Dak and Zeke's time there, but it's not the same O-line anymore. You know, they don't have Travis Frederick. They don't have Connor Williams. They don't have Lyell Collins. Tyron Smith is getting pretty fucking old. Zach Martin's not necessarily a spring chicken anymore. It's not the same unit. Uh, Warren Sharp. Sharp football has this ranked the 14th offensive line in football this year. So very mediocre. Like I said, not an elite unit anymore. Um, who else did they lose this offseason? Defensive end Randy Gregory pulled the old uh, Uno reverse card and went and signed with the Denver Broncos after like just being reported that he signed an extension with Dallas. So that was kind of funny. Uh, wide receiver Cedric Wilson, I mentioned on the Dolphins episode, he um, was a pretty key contributor to this team during times where Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup missed time last year and a uh, decent player. So they'll be losing some depth at receiver. Um, also, obviously, trading away Amari Cooper this offseason. He's another key loss for this team. Forgot to write that down because it was technically a trade, not a free agency loss. But they did ship Amari Cooper away to the Browns for a fucking sixth-round pick. Which, how is Amari Cooper that cheap? I don't really know. Dallas must have been very anxious to get that contract off their books. Uh, but it looks like they'll go forward with C.D. Lamb as the clear number one here. Cedric Wilson's gone. They did re-sign Michael Gallup, so he's back in the fold. And we'll talk about some other ancillary pieces later in this episode. Uh, wrapping up the key losses for this team. Two safeties gone from this roster. Uh, Keanu O'Neill and DeMonte KZ. And kicker Greg Zerline, who we mentioned on the Jets episode. He's a Jet now. Uh, key additions this offseason. I've really only got two noteworthy names. This was not a very active team this offseason in free agency. Uh, defensive end Dante Fowler came over. He's on his fourth team now in his uh, NFL career. If you guys remember, he's a former top three overall pick to the Jaguars. Uh, went over to the Rams. Uh, fucked around, almost won a Super Bowl over there. Uh, bounced over to the Falcons for a year. And now he finds himself as a Dallas Cowboy. Kind of a journeyman pass rusher. Very talented guy coming out of the draft. Never really panned out fully. I think his most productive years were with the Rams. And then wide receiver James Washington comes over from Pittsburgh. You guys should be familiar with him. Went to Oklahoma State. Um, not a consistent guy, but a splash play every now and then in Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh doesn't re-sign receivers. So he's over in Dallas. Um, giving them some depth there after losing Wilson and Amari Cooper. They re-signed quite a few guys, not many big names here, but let's get them out of the way. Defensive end, Dorrance Armstrong, safety J. Ron Curse. Uh, linebacker Leighton Van Der Esch, which I mentioned, signed a one-year deal. And defensive end, Carlos Watkins. Uh, they also re-signed punter Brian Anger to round that out. So as you can see, that's the entire personnel recap for the offseason. Not many big names and 
you know, not much activity. I guess the main headline is that Amari Cooper trade, right? Um, let's talk about the draft. Uh, they invested back into that offensive line. They drafted offensive tackle Tyler Smith out of Tulsa with the 24th pick in the draft. Got to be honest, don't know much about the player. Um, if he's a starter for them, you know, potentially replaces Tyron Smith at left tackle in a year or two. I'm not sure. I mean, the, Tyron Smith's been around a while. He's dealt with some injuries in his career. You know, they might be working on a contingency plan there. Um, if not, he can challenge for that right tackle spot this year. Let's take a look at the depth chart. He's not a starter right now. Yeah, he's actually... Oh, he's starting at left guard. Okay. So he was a tackle at Tulsa. I guess right now he's starting at left guard. Possibly a guy that they move over to tackle once Tyron's done. But it looks like Smith and Smith on the left side of that Cowboys line. Interesting. All right. Uh, moving on, round two, defensive end Sam Williams out of Ole Miss. Round three, wide receiver Jalen Tolber out of South Alabama. And round four, tight end Jake Ferguson out of Wisconsin. So I don't know much about Sam Williams, to be honest. Uh, you guys can tell a lot of the time I'm more focused on the offensive players. Uh, you know, I like to give credit to the O-lines and the defenses and stuff, but a lot of this is fantasy-driven, and we look at the player props and things like that. So let's dive into these two skill players real quick. Wide receiver Jalen Tolbert is a guy I'm hearing that could be getting, like, day one starter snaps. I mean, like I said, no Amari Cooper. No Cedric Wilson. And Michael Gallup is currently uh, rehabbing a lower body injury um, this offseason. Uh, he only played nine games last year and got injured towards the end of the season there. Um, I don't remember specifically what the injury is, but it's looking like he's projected to miss at least two or three weeks here to start the season for Dallas. And if that's the case, I just mentioned... Um, Cooper and Wilson are both gone. This guy, you know, could be the day one wide receiver two on this team. That's a pretty pass heavy team. I mentioned first in points per game last year, and, you know, they really have had a lot of fantasy success in this offense between Dak Prescott and the other receivers involved. So this Jalen Tolbert guy, if they hit on him in the third round, he could actually be a pretty impactful rookie this year. And then round four tight end Jake Ferguson. Now look, um, Dalton Schultz is the locked in starter for this team. And Tight ends do not typically contribute much in their rookie year. You will hear me uh, repeat that like a broken fucking record this summer. Rookie tight ends, don't fuck with them for fantasy. Don't get your expectations up. Hope they can block. That's basically where you're at with the rookie tight ends. But Dalton Schultz is on the last year of his contract with Dallas. And he played very well last year. They have not gotten a deal done. It looks like they're not going to get a deal done. And he's going to go into this year uh, into in a contract year where he's most likely not going to be re-signed by Dallas last year. If he can repeat his performance, they just won't be able to pay him, I don't think. Um, so Jake Ferguson could be a guy that we're talking about in, a, in 12 months from now as the starting tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Wisconsin, um, one of those schools that, that, that seems to put a tight end in the NFL every two, three years. So we'll keep an eye on Ferguson. Let's keep it going. We have a good pace here. The Dallas Cowboys have the 10th easiest strength of schedule, according to the rankings I was looking at. However, it doesn't look that easy to me, to be honest. I mean, I think the fact that the Giants are on here twice, the Commies are on here twice, you know, they've got the Lions and the Bears and the Jaguars so I, and the Texans, too. So I get where they're coming from. But... 
they've got some pretty tough games here too, and let's just get into it. They start with the Bucks, Bengals, Giants, Commanders, Rams, Eagles, Lions, Bears, Packers. They have a bye week in between the Bears and Packers. Then we have the Vikings, then the Giants on Thanksgiving, Colts, Texans, Jags, Eagles, Titans, Commanders. Yeah, there's some winnable games there for sure. I've got the key games as week one versus Tampa Bay. Like to think Tampa Bay handles business there. Week two against Cincinnati. I think the Bengals, you know, they, they kept their pieces intact this year. And as much as I've wanted to come into this season as a Bengals hater because they didn't even deserve to be in the Super Bowl in the first place, let's not fucking get into that. Um, I think they'll probably be good again this year, to be honest. So that's a tough game. Uh, Rams, week five, out in L.A., travel to the West Coast, take on defending Super Bowl champs, never easy. Uh, the two games against the Eagles are going to be huge. I told you guys I'm really heating up on the Eagles. Um, obviously, I'll talk about them for probably a full hour tomorrow when I record, but uh, if you look at the, the odds this summer for what's been going on in this division, um, the, the Cowboys started out as, I think, a, a minus-120 favorite. They're now at plus-125. And the Eagles, um, at one point, were plus-300, plus-275. They're right now down to plus-185 to win this division. So there's a lot of cash driving these bets in different directions here going into this season over the summer and not to dive too deep into the Eagles rabbit hole. But if we're going to talk Cowboys, it's kind of hard not to address the elephant in the room, which is this division is between the Cowboys and the Eagles this year. And there has not been a repeat uh, winner of the NFC East since 2004 when the Eagles did it. 17 years, there hasn't been a back-to-back -back NFC East champion, and uh, Dallas is not going to repeat this year. Philly's the best team in the division, so sorry about it. Um, that makes the two games against the Eagles very crucial for their schedule and more difficult than people anticipate, I think, more difficult than it's being put into the algorithm because that team went 9-8 and eight last year, but they really got a lot better this year. Um, we'll talk about the Eagles more tomorrow. Don't want to dive into it, but those are two crucial games. Philly week six and then week 16, they play on Christmas Eve, actually. And I mentioned they have the Packers week 10 and the Colts week 13. I think those are the other two kind of key matchups. It's notable that they play the Giants on Thanksgiving, so we'll have to sit through a terrible fucking football game there. Thanks for that, I guess. Um, that being said, bet on the Giants on Thanksgiving. Um, Death, taxes, and betting against the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving, three things that are always certain in life. I do it every year. Last year, I cashed a plus 310 Moneyline winner on the Oakland Raiders. Just fucking do it. Las Vegas Raiders, whatever. Um, back to Dallas. You know, they're, I, I ran through the schedule here. Their over-under for wins is 10.5. The over's plus 105. The under's minus 125. I'm betting that under. I'm betting this Cowboys team does not win 11 games. Uh, I think it's shocked a lot of people that they won 12 last year. I think Joe Schmo, I mentioned the fucking uh, assholes all over the country that just blindly believe in Dallas and think they're the greatest fucking organization in the history of sports because they grew up in the 90s and it's all they could fucking watch every Sunday. Um, those guys will see 10 and a half and say, well, they won 12 last year. Um, God fucking mouth breathers the cowboys are going to take a step backwards this year it's kind of been the tone of this whole episode like i said they lost amari cooper and cedric wilson another year of mileage on zeke we'll talk about him we haven't even brought him up 
Uh, but I am really thinking that this is the year that Zeke drops off. And we could see this entire Cowboys offense taking a step backwards after being first in yards and points per game last year. If Zeke's not Zeke, if Michael Gallup isn't healthy for a majority of the start of the season, if that injury lingers, if rookie Jalen Tolbert can't produce like a starter right away, and if Dalton Schultz was a one-hit wonder last year, what does this Cowboys offense fucking look like? Because it... it it's almost kind of scary how drastically this offense could drop off this year. And I mentioned the defensive regression and the likelihood that they don't generate a plus 14 turnover margin. Give me under 10.5 at minus 125. I like the juice. I like it. Uh, they're plus 125 to win the division. No thanks. I've already got a bet on the Philadelphia Eagles at plus 275. I'm not saving it for tomorrow. I'm jacked up. We're talking about it right now. I bet this shit fucking four months ago after the draft when the Eagles went and grabbed A.J. Brown and they went and grabbed Jordan Davis and they went and grabbed N'Kobe Dean and they went and grabbed their future starting center and Cam Jurgens. The Eagles have the best goddamn O-line in the league. The only question mark really is if Jalen Hurts can look like a superstar quarterback. News for you, he doesn't need to look like a superstar quarterback. Again, best O-line, good D-line, like... They're just a better roster from top down than Dallas. Go and look at the depth charts. They're just better. So plus 125 for this division, no thanks. Plus 850 for the conference, no thanks. It should be more like 15 to 1. Plus 1800 for the Super Bowl, no thanks. Should be more like 25 to 1. And let's get into the playoffs. To make the playoffs, this team is a minus 310 favorite. To not make the playoffs, plus 195. I already told you the Eagles are winning this division. And if we get into the wild card picture in the NFC, there are a number of teams that could really uh, get in this team's way of making the playoffs. Last year, three teams from the NFC West estimated the Rams 49ers and Cardinals this year the Vikings got better this offseason the Saints got better this offseason if Jameis Winston can stay healthy and play consistent quarterback I think the Saints are sneaky fucking good they have a really good roster and a top five defense in the league and so what I'm saying is if Dallas doesn't get the automatic in from winning this division because they're not going to I've told you five times um, they have to compete for a wild card spot, and there's a number of teams in that NFC that could get in their way. You know, we talk about Bucks, Saints, Packers, Vikings, Eagles, and then three teams in the NFC West. I think are all in contention. I mean, I you know the Bears are dog shit. The Giants and Redskins probably not competing. I will call them Redskins from time to time. It's just going to happen, especially when I'm ranting like this. I'm really fucking flowing here, guys. So. There's like eight or nine teams in both conferences that could make the playoffs, and I just, I, I've talked about the um, probability for regression on both sides of the ball here. No thanks. Uh, let's keep this going as far as being pessimistic as fuck about the Cowboys. This has been a fun day for me. I've recorded my Jets and Cowboys episodes back to back here on Saturday. Um, I think it's the 22nd, 23rd, whatever. And uh, all I've done is shit on both these teams so far. I'm really getting a lot out this weekend. This is fun. Uh, Mike McCarthy currently, as far as uh, I went and looked at odds for the first head coach fired this season. And Mike McCarthy is actually the second favorite at plus 500. Matt Rule is the favorite at plus 300. You think uh, this probably is last year in Carolina if he doesn't turn things around. A lot of pressure on him and that organization. Three mediocre quarterbacks in three years, and at the end of the day, who do you blame? Um, makes sense. I get it. Carolina probably not going to be that great if Baker sucks, the whole team sucks. I get it. But let's look into the narrative about Mike McCarthy here being fired. Um, 
the guy's not a good football coach. Can we just say that right off the bat? I mean, he spends his whole offseason eating fucking Carl's Jr.'s double bacon cheeseburgers instead of actually looking at film. Sorry about it, guys. Um, <clears throat> there's a lot of talent on this team, a lot of expectations every year, especially from the owner. Let's not forget who is in charge of firing these head coaches. Jerry Jones is circling the fucking drain. I don't know if you guys have seen that, man, but he looks like the goddamn Crypt Keeper right now. And he wants another championship in his lifetime badly. He has still not relinquished ownership and control of that team to his son, Stephen Jones, who's just about ready to register for a fucking AARP card as it is right now. The guy's like 60 years old, doesn't even run his own football team because his dad is just Jerry fucking Jones. And so you talk about a lot of a, a very high sense of urgency for this this franchise, I think, to win and win now. I think Jerry Jones sits here and he says, I've had Dak, Pres Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott and Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb and all these guys for the last seven years. And we haven't even won more than two fucking playoff games. What are we doing here with the Dallas Cowboys? We should be winning every fucking year, yada, yada, yada. Sorry, Jerry. It's not the 90s anymore. That's not how it works. But... What I'm saying is if all this regression that I've been kind of forecasting throughout this episode comes to fruition, if Dak and the offense slows down and the defenses regress and Ezekiel Elliott, the wheels fall off this season like they typically do when a running back gets to the age that he is at. If this team falls apart, Mike McCarthy could be gone halfway through the season. They have Dan Quinn as the defensive coordinator here, who is more than competent as an interim head coach. Maybe they give Dan Quinn the second half of the season. Maybe he can turn things around and invigorate the team. If not, next offseason, you go and grab Sean Payton. I'm sure you guys have heard all the rumors. Sean Payton rumored to be in play for the Dallas Cowboys. He stepped away kind of ambiguously from the Saints this offseason, but he did not say he's retiring from coaching. He just said he's kind of stepping away. Maybe that's just a super fucking like low-key kind of nonchalant way to just get out of New Orleans without it being a big deal. Takes a year off and then heads over to Dallas. I would hate it as an Eagles fan. I don't want Sean Payton coaching against me in the division, but I'm just saying it's ru it's a rumor that's floated out there. And if, if Sean Payton rumors are already out there and they already have a former head coach and a competent interim replacement in Dan Quinn on the roster, how, how long is the leash for big, big fat Mike down there in Dallas? I, I don't know. I think plus 500 is a five uh, is a fun bet. For first coach fired. I really do. Fuck the, fuck the Cowboys, guys. <laughs> let's talk fantasy and let's get out of here. Now, you would think that there's going to be a lot of names to talk about because this Cowboys offense was so high-powered last year. But to be honest, like the exodus of Amari Cooper and uh, Cedric Wilson and the fact that they're, you know, they don't really have a committee. Um, they only have one relevant tight end. So there's not that many names to go over here. Give me a second, guys. Got to take a drink. And so the names that we're going to be going over are Dak Prescott, Zeke, Tony Pollard, CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, Jalen Tolbert, the rookie wide receiver, and uh, Dalton Schultz, the tight end. <clears throat> Honorable mention for this offense, backup QB is Cooper Rush. Uh, I mentioned wide receiver James Washington, free agent signing. Wide receiver Noah Brown is a guy that's been explosive. I've seen him make plays in special teams. I think he's a, kind of a more uh, taller physical receiver with dreads, if I'm remembering correctly, and he's made plays on occasion. 
Uh, like I said, this wide receiver core had a lot of injuries last year, and so I want you guys to be aware he's most likely going to be the fourth receiver on the depth chart. And like I said, Gallup or yeah, Gallup could miss some time. Tolbert's a rookie. Like there's a situation where Noah Brown actually sees pretty significant snaps in this offense, especially early in the season. And um, you know, again, just to kind of double down on that, this offense does run a lot of wide, uh, three wide receiver sets, so. Um, if they're going to be running that kind of personnel, it makes sense that Noah Brown maybe sees the field more than people expect because, let's be honest, this might be the first time you're hearing his name. So, oh yeah, Jake Ferguson, tight end. I mentioned him, uh, honorable mention. So let's get into it. Uh, quarterback Dak Prescott, he's he's good for fantasy. You know, I'm not sure if Dak's ever going to win anything substantial. I tend to lean towards hating on Dak. At the end of the day, to be honest, he's a pretty decent quarterback. He's just nothing special to me. But for fantasy, he's really good. He's been really consistent. Let's dive into what it looks like. This year, he's being drafted as the quarterback 8, uh, 73 overall. So, you know, mid-seventh rounder. So it's pretty fair for a guy who produces like he does. Last year was being drafted as a quarterback 6, 53rd overall. So you're actually getting a two-round dip on his ADP this year, which is kind of nice. Um, finished seventh at the position in terms of quarterbacks last year, played 16 games, finished ninth overall at the quarterback position in points per game. And his schedule this year, he has the 12th easiest fantasy schedule for quarterbacks. Um, I said he's consistent and yeah, he's real consistent. Uh, he finished top six, 37.5% of the time, uh, seventh highest consistency rating amongst quarterbacks. Uh, finished top 12, 62.5% of the time, also seventh highest consistency rating in quarterbacks. Um, finished QB 13 through 24, 25% of the time, and only busted out of the top 24, 12.5% of the time. So very low bust rate. He's a top 12 quarterback, quarterback one, 62.5% of the time for your team. Um, like I said, uh, being drafted, you know, quarterback eight, last year finished quarterback seven, last year seventh most consistent. It all seems to line up. I I think it's a pretty um I think it's a pretty reasonable ADP but again let's 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 mention that again maybe the weapons are not as strong this year you know maybe at the beginning of the season he's dealing with CD and Noah Brown and like a rookie Tolbert who's trying to figure it out and who knows what that looks like so while I do think you could do worse, you know, I'm just, you guys will hear this from me a lot. I, I really, I try and wait as long as possible at the quarterback position in fantasy drafts. And considering that his offense looks to be downgraded from last year, I'm not sure he really returns that much on like a seventh round draft pick. Again, it's not that early in your drafts, so you can do it. But I'm more of a guy that likes to grab a QB in like round, like, like 10 if I can to be honest um that said very consistent if you don't mind spending a seventh round pick I, I think he's a solid and safe fantasy option at QB and you don't need to draft a second guy if you have Dak um let's keep it moving let's talk running backs time for me to shit on Zeke okay guys um Ezekiel Elliott has the mileage and he's at the age where I really think he could be um this could be his last year of even consideration as like a starter in fantasy to be honest um we've seen a lot of these running backs just drop off a cliff i said really from day one that zeke was drafted um that he would have a pretty short career because i looked at the way that dallas just 
abused um, DeMarco Murray before, like in a very similar fashion. They had no interest in signing DeMarco Murray to a contract extension. They just said, let's run you 350 times this year and then make somebody else pay you. Now, they did give Zeke that contact extension excuse me, contract extension. I'm getting mad at myself for not being able to talk today. Um, that said, you know, he's been in the league since 2016. He's 27 years old. That really is the age where you start to see the red flags with running backs. Look at what happened with Zeke last year. Before we even dive into the numbers, he wasn't the best running back on his team. Now, he did finish above Tony Pollard in fantasy and stats and things like that. He actually did decent in terms of fantasy finish. We'll talk about it in just one second. But eyeball test. I believe in the eyeball test, really. If I see a guy on film looking lackluster and I see a backup on his team who's younger, who's uh, cheaper, and who's more explosive, he's got more burst on tape, I start to get worried. I saw this very, it's very similar to me, and I'm not saying it's an identical situation, but it reminds me of the Melvin Gordon to Austin Eckler transition out in San Diego slash LA. Uh, Gordon, you know, was approaching an older age. Um, I don't remember if he was exactly 27. Let's look up Melvin Gordon's age real quick. But uh, what I'm saying is Melvin Gordon, okay, so he's 29, so Let's take a time machine two years ago when that whole Eckler transition happened. He was 27. He's the exact same age. Man, I love how these numbers are working out for me. So the narrative is that uh, Tony Pollard is a better running back. And Austin Eckler was the better running back his last year in L.A. before Gordon uh, hit the free agent market. And it was like free Eckler. Like, like I get it. You're paying Gordon more. He's been the long-term starter. He's not as explosive. Get the better player in there. Just drop the name value that you have attached to Ezekiel Elliott. Like, I really think that Tony Pollard could be the more uh, productive running back this year. So let's talk numbers. Zeke uh, being drafted at the start of the third round for you. Excuse me, start of the fourth, back of the third. Um, Overall ADP 30, uh, running back 15 off the board. Last year, he was being drafted fifth overall, fifth running back. Um, He finished seventh at the running back position last year, which surprised me because I just talked so much about how he looked like shit last year. But he was getting the goal line looks. He stayed healthy. He had volume, so I get it. The stats are there, but the eyeball test is not there, guys. I really think I'm... I don't want to get caught with my pants down on a running back that is uh, going into, like, this could be the drop-off point. I just won't do it. I won't touch a guy that I think this could be the cliff year. And I really am getting those vibes on Zeke. Um, last year, I uh, played 17 full games. I mean, that's how you finish the RB7, right? Like, if think about it. Derrick Henry only played eight games. Like, if Derrick Henry stays healthy, if a bunch of other guys stay healthy, like, Zeke's not an RB7, right? Um, finished 16th in points per game at the position. So there's my point. Like there's a, like if, uh, you know, those other nine guys that finished, you know, in that gap stay healthy, he finishes as the RB 16, not the RB seven. So numbers will fool you, you know, look into this shit. I'll say the Dallas Cowboys have a favorable schedule with the sixth easiest fantasy schedule for running backs. 
That just gets me hard about Tony Pollard, honestly. I mean, look, this team is going to be committed to Zeke. He's really only on the roster because he's so highly paid. He'd have a massive cap hit. Jerry Jones loves him. Like, it's all just kind of intangible, emotional, financial shit. It's not actually because he's the best running back on this team. So I really, you know, if Mike McCarthy's coaching for his life this year, like I just said he could be, I don't know how you don't just play the best players. Zeke last year um, finished top 12 running back 41.2% of the time. He was 13th most consistent. He finished an RB2 23.5% uh, of the time. That's 26th most consistent. So overall top 24 running back 64.7% of the time. That was 16th most consistent. So again, overall running back 7, but points per game 16th. Top 24 running back consistency 16th. That doesn't add up with the RB7. And if you're telling me Pollard's going to be stealing snaps this year, he's clearly the better pass catching back as well. I'm telling you, the situation looks a little murky for Zeke. I won't be touching him this year for fantasy, guys. I will not touch Zeke. I don't care if he slips to the fourth round of my draft. I'd, I'd rather take Brees Hall than Zeke. And I just talked about the Jets in my last step. Like, I'll take a rookie that I've never seen play an NFL snap over Zeke this year. I can't wait to look back on these after the season. Tony Pollard last year. Uh, let's get into his ADP. Tony Pollard being drafted 90th overall. So you can get Pollard in the ninth round versus Zeke in the third. Yes, please. Um, Tony Pollard and, and uh, Chase Edmonds, kind of my two favorite running backs to target late this year. Um, Tony Pollard overall being drafted as running back 33. Last year, running back 43 in drafts. His overall ADP went from 126 to 90. Um, he finished the RB 28 and that was even with Zeke being the RB seven and stealing most of his touches and not really getting full opportunities. He was still a top 30 running back, almost cracked the top 24. Um, he played 15 games. He was the RB 37 in points per game, which is not fun. But again, I see an expanded role this year. Um, in terms of consistency, only finished top 12 once. Uh, finished an RB2 33.3% of the time, which was higher than Zeke, um, 13th most consistent for an RB2 finish. And then in terms of finishing top 24 overall, 37th most consistent at a 40% rate. But again, like that's not terrible considering that he's pretty much a backup. <clears throat> finished RB3 um, 25 through 36 on the week 20% of the time, and he busted 40% of the time. Again, I just I have better vibes about Pollard. He's younger. He's more explosive. He's quicker. Uh, he's better in the passing game. Uh, Zeke's 27, and he's kind of a douchebag. So <laughs> there are my thoughts on the running back situation. Let's break down the pass catchers, and let's get the fuck out. Um, I'm in on CD lamb. I'm fully in breakout, like could be a top five receiver this year. He's being drafted as such ADP is 17 overall wide receiver six off the board last year, ADP 36 overall wide receiver 12 off the board. Now these numbers are not going to look good. I'm ignoring them. I'm just going to preface this. I think CD lamb is set up between, like I said, the number of vacated targets in this offense with no Cooper, no Wilson, no Gallup the first few weeks and a rookie Tolbert on the team. CD could be an absolute target hog in a high volume passing offense. Um, that said, these numbers might scare you a little bit. He was a boom bust guy last year and it was mostly bust. Uh, off the board is uh, wide receiver 12, finished wide receiver 19th, played 16 games, finished wide receiver 23 in points per game. That's not great. 
Um, let's get into the consistency a little bit more. Only finished top 12, 18.8% of his games. That was 32nd most consistent as a top 12 receiver in the NFL. Also only finished wide receiver two 18% of the time. That was 29th most consistent as a receiver two. So he was only a top 24 receiver 37.5% of the time. That's a consistency rank of 26. What happened, CD? What happened, man? It doesn't look good. And, you know, you could say that truly, you know, Amari Cooper was in this offense, a lot more mouths to feed. I talked about Cedric Wilson being in there, two running backs. Dalton Schultz actually fucking eight last year, finished as the tight end three. And so a lot of those targets probably going over there. Um, I think CD is going to be the focal point of this offense this year. And so I really don't care about a lot of the bust from last year i just think coming into year three as the clear-cut wide receiver one he's super he's just got an amazing skill set he's super athletic and i think he has potential to finish top five at the position so although the numbers from last year don't necessarily support this massive jump in adp i think just the fantasy community is smart enough to be able to recognize a breakout before it's going to happen and i think cd is just like the most clear-cut, obvious, low-hanging fruit of a superstar wide receiver in the making. So I'm in on it. If you want to take CD, you know, if you can get him in your second round, as your, I'll take him as wide receiver one. Like, I'm cool with that. Like, take a running back first round and CD second round. Like, you're off to a good start. I like it. <clears throat> Gallup, I mentioned, could miss the first few weeks of the season. And, you know... We'll just go through his and, and Tolbert's, you know, stats real quick. Um, Tolbert's a rookie. I can't give you much on him. He's being drafted 163rd overall in the wide receiver 67. It's worth a shot because he's free in your drafts. If you want to take him with your last pick, I think you'll be able to tell by week one or week two if he's going to be a guy or not because, like I said, he's probably getting starter snaps from day one with Gallup injured. So, like, you're going to see, like, if Tolbert's getting looks in the offense, if he looks good, like, week one you will know. And those are kind of some of the best guys to, to target with your last uh, pick in fantasy drafts. You know, you don't want to draft a guy that you have to hold on to for six weeks to see if he's finally going to get ingratiated in the offense. Take a guy like Tolbert, who you will know week one. Do I even have to roster this guy, or do I cut him for a waiver wire pickup? So I think it's a good shot with your last pick. Uh, no consistency rankings for Tolbert. Michael Gallup only played nine games last year. I mentioned he's rehabbing an injury. He's currently being drafted 122nd overall wide receiver, 53. I'll tell you this. If he can get back and play you know, 10, 11, 12 games, he won't finish wide receiver 53. You know, he'll, he'll beat that. He'll beat that. If he's only going to miss three games, like the reporters are saying right now, I think he returns on his ADP. It's just you're going to have to stash him for a couple weeks. Maybe you draft Gallup and Tolbert, and you just, like, you have Tolbert for those weeks that Gallup will be gone, and then you see who holds on to the, the you know, secondary target role in this offense. Um, last year, he was being drafted 48th at the wide receiver position, 125 overall. Finished 77th overall, but that was because he only played nine games. Finished 47th in points per game. So again, being drafted as wide receiver 53 this year, 47th in points per game last year, and you're saying there's no Amari Cooper or Cedric Wilson on this team? Um, he could, yeah, he could see more targets, you know, and it's about seeing where that volume is going to go. Again, <clears throat> so many vacated targets in this offense, it's got to go somewhere. 
So that's interesting. Dallas has the 19th easiest schedule against fantasy receivers. Doesn't really tell you a whole lot. I just think CD is super safe and he's going to get a shit ton of volume and could catch fucking 12 touchdowns this year. So, uh, yeah, go draft CD. Um, let's wrap it up with Dalton Schultz. Uh, outlier year, breakout year last year. Last year's tight end three and PP. PPR fantasy rankings this year being drafted as the tight end seven. So although he broke out, um, there's still several guys, you know, going ahead of him um, being drafted 64th overall. So you can get him like halfway through your seventh round. And I think it's pretty safe not to beat a dead horse, vacated targets, a lot of opportunity for targets early in the season with no gallop. Where's that going to go? It's probably going to go to Schultz again. He was really good last year, and he's in a contract year. He's looking to get paid. It looks like a pretty safe situation for a fantasy tight end. Being drafted as the tight end seven. Last year was undrafted tight end 36 overall, finished tight end three. Played 17 full games, fifth overall in points per game. I will mention one of the guys ahead of him on that ranking only played four games, Max Williams for the Cardinals. So really fourth in points per game. Very solid season. PPR machine. Finished the top six tight end 35.5% of the time, six best in consistency. Uh, finished top 12 52.9% of the time, six best in consistency. Finished the tight end two. 23.5% of the time, and busted outside of the top 24, 23.5% of the time. Schultz, I like. If you can get him in like the seventh round, you've already been able to draft hypothetically three running backs, three receivers, and then you get your tight end. I think it's a pretty solid play, to be honest. I think CD and Schultz are very safe. I think Ezekiel Elliott will be out of the league in two years. I think Tony Pollard will finish as the RB1 on this team for fantasy. And I think Gallup will beat his ADP. Pretty clean, guys. Pretty clean. That was a fun episode. We're on 45 minutes here. Um, go Birds. <laughs> the Eagles are going to win the NFC East, and I will tell you why on tomorrow's episode. I know I teased it a little bit here. Again, guys, I try and keep a level head. I'm really not just going to tell you this every year. I'm not going to tell you the Eagles are going to win the NFC East every year. I actually picked the Eagles to go under their win total last year. I was not optimistic. I didn't like Sirianni. I wasn't a Hurts guy. I was still pissed off that we traded Wentz. You know, things change, and you got to change your opinion. Uh, the Eagles had a, one of the better off-seasons in the entire NFL, and the, the Cowboys are just choke artists. Look for Mike McCarthy to get fired around week six when this team's two and four. Thanks for listening, guys. As always, fuck the Cowboys and ramble on.